0: Hey, Claire, wanna talk about sexy books today? Yeah, I do, Blythe. Awesome. <laughs> when you need a sexy escape from a world that's gone insane, erotic fiction with romantic addiction. We've got some wrecks if you care to listen. Well, today we're we're gonna do something different. Anyway, we're not even gonna talk about uh, people necessary or I guess imaginary people boning. How do we introduce this? We're gonna talk about
1: real life sex. Yeah, <laughs> and sex
0: drives. Yeah. Well, as if you've listened to any of our previous podcasts, you may know that the impetus for this podcast is that we are having some struggles with the world coming together with our libidos and romance novels was a huge help in a kind really
1: of good escape from like the day-to-day
0: crap exactly but I think just as important maybe to both of us I know when I was you read this book first um this book that we're going to talk about, which is called Come As You Are. By Emily Nagoski. And it's about um, what sexuality is and what it isn't. <laughs> um, and just kind of lays plain the myths and um, and shows all of the diversity that people experience. Um, all of the differences that people have and really puts everybody... On a huge, wide spectrum and makes you feel like you're totally normal no matter what you're going through. Yes. And so I think that's why we wanted to go through this is because it's very foundational to me and my sex positivity and my understanding of my sexuality. Um, so yeah, I'm it's, excited. Me too. This
1: has been, like, probably the most important book I've ever read about sexuality, yeah. like, in terms of how it actually applied to my life and, like, helped me. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember when I read it, but I think it was around the time that I talked about this in a previous episode that I was diagnosed with vulvodynia, mm-hmm. and that really sucked. <laughs> yeah. And my sex life was taking a huge hit. Um And I think it was around that time that I found this book and it was like really, really helpful because it's all about just sexual desire and like how it is completely normal if you don't, like it talks a lot about spontaneous desire versus responsive desire. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just, it's a lot about how women in general don't, feel spontaneous desire on the whole as much as men do.
0: Mhm. More Even often. There's a big spectrum and yes. everyone is normal. Actually what she constantly says throughout the book and it's so helpful is that everybody has the same parts just organized in different ways. Yeah. And so it really helps you like it doesn't there's obviously things that happen more with women and things that happen more with men, but all, all the experiences are really open to everyone and everyone is on this big wide spectrum, which is really helpful. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted though.
1: Oh no. Um, it was just, yeah, I mean, we should just get into it because I think we're just going to start talking about a lot of the main points probably.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But, um, is there a point you want to start with?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was gonna start with everything is normal. That is like the biggest point I think that I got from this book.
0: Everything is normal. Every way that you experience ex- desire, everything is normal. Everything the way looks that things normal. Look, like the
1: size and shapes and all of everything. Like yep. there's such a broad range, and almost nothing is like a medical issue. <laughs> exactly.
0: If it hurts, go to the doctor. Right. Otherwise, it's- It's fine. In fact, it's beautiful and something to be celebrated. Yes. Right. So that's huge. And that that can be a really hard thing to really drive home um in fact she talks about um she has like a metaphor where she talks about how everybody's sexuality is like a garden so everybody starts with like this plot of land and you don't choose your plot of land and then when you're growing up your garden first is filled with things from your friends and your family and your community so they just plant things into your garden you don't really have any control over what's in your garden but then as you get older you can kind of more assess like like, all of these things are working, this is making my garden healthy, maybe this would be good in a different garden, but it's not working with your garden, and then, of course, and so it runs the gambit. Some people have, like, these really lush and and healthy gardens that they start with just from their families. Some of us have some very toxic shit in their gardens, and, and you have like to work... And, like, most of us have at least some... Toxic shit from just
1: society's
0: right. like expectations, right? On us. Exactly, exactly. And so, this book just helps you to like recognize your garden and then start weeding that bullshit out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and planting some good, thriving, um, sex positive stuff. Yeah,
1: which, which is what really. sexy
0: books is all about. <sighs> That's truly what just we're
1: all about.
0: Celebrate. Everything that makes you feel good. That kind of ties
1: into one of the other things that I really wanted to make sure we mentioned, which was that she makes such a huge point that people who do not judge, and that's not like just judging others, but like people who don't judge themselves too harshly, they have the healthiest sex lives. Mm -hmm. Like they take the things like they just don't it's Along with everything being normal, like, nothing is shameful either. Mm -hmm. And, like, shame is just one of the biggest killers of desire. Mm -hmm. So, like, being non-judging to yourself is so, so, so important.
0: Mm -hmm. So true. Well, another thing, just kind of diving in, is that she talks a lot about... And I really love that this is separated. It's It was kind of a, a breakthrough for me that people have accelerators, sexual accelerators, things that m- turn you on and make you horny and you have brakes. So things that that pull you back and make you less horny and those are two separate things. So yes. you can have an accelerator and brakes going at the same time, which can be really confusing. Yes. Or you can just not have enough accelerator or just a little more brakes than your accelerator. Um This was, like, one of the most, like, practically useful things for me
1: Mm -hmm. um, was that she, like, really spells out, like, sex is not a drive. It's not, like, just one thing that you either turn on or turn off. It's, like, for women especially, it's everything around you. It's, like, everything has the potential to be a brakes or an accelerator and all of those things come together to, like, let you be turned on or not. Mm-hmm.
0: It's, like, a, it's a mix. It's a blend of these two yeah. things at once.
1: So maybe we, maybe, um so that's called the dual control model. And there's a quiz in the book to figure out what our um, breaks and accelerator scores are. Like, do you have a really sensitive break? Do you have a really sensitive accelerator? Or, you know, the opposite um, so should we talk about
0: that? Yeah. All right. We didn't talk about this in advance, so we'll be learning our brakes and accelerators new right now. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I don't know how exciting it'll be because either. a lot of people fall in the average parts. <laughs> right. But, um. yeah, so... The accelerator is called the sexual excitation system, and that's, she calls it cess throughout mm-hmm. the book. And then the break is the sexual inhibition system, which is CIS. Mm-hmm. So we took a quiz to see if we have what our CES and CIS scores are. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: well, do you want me to tell you mine? Yeah, <laughs> I guess you <laughs> should just tell me. <laughs> um, so... I got an eight out of twenty with my sis score, which is roundly in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Which is um well, do you, should I read her thing for it, do you think? Um is yeah. That
1: Why not? Cause I wait, is this your sis or CES? cis? Sis.
0: So I so also scored medium. Okay, so we're on both inhibitors. Have medium inhibitors. You're right in the middle along with more than half the women I asked. This means that so whether or not your sexual breaks engage will largely depend on context. Risky or novel situations such as a new partner might increase your concerns about your own sexual functioning, shyness, or your distractibility from sex. Contexts that easily arouse you are likely to be low-risk and more familiar, and anytime your stress levels, including anxiety, overwhelm, exhaustion, depression, escalate, your breaks will reduce your interest in and response to sexual signals.
1: That rings pretty true for me. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I mean, especially with all the hang-ups that I've kind of, like, developed over time now (laughs) with sex stuff. I, like, really like to be in a comfortable environment. I mean, you know, I like to feel safe and, like, no one's going to walk in on me or anything like that, for sure. I really like to have a lot of time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that I just... Yeah, I just need like a little space to get into that place, which I know, I mean, all of this had been, when I first stopped being able to sense my libido in the same way that I was used to, which was in 2016, going through all of the things that the world was going through, I was really confused. I felt like I just didn't understand why I couldn't just go home and feel ready to have sex and um, I think this answers part of it which is just that there was too much stress, there was too much breaks happening where I just couldn't, it was overwhelming that part of my mind and she talks about that a lot too, like the specifically stress, that stress is an information overload really, like. Mm -hmm. Like at
1: its simplest, which is really how it feels to me these days. Like when I'm stressed out, I'm
0: just like, there's too
1: much going on. Like I feel so overstimulated by the world and just like exhausted by it.
0: Right. And there's no room for more energy towards some other thing that you don't need to be worrying about or dealing with or or at least when you're thinking about sex as worrying about or dealing with, you're, like, not in the place right. to be having sex. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> and so I, I mean, that that she helps. says that so many times in the book. That like, as soon as you start, especially for, like, the lower, for the medium cis and cis people, like, mm-hmm. as soon as you start thinking you have to have sex, that, like, kills it. Mm-hmm. And I totally feel that. Like, if I feel any pressure, even if it's just from myself, like that I should do it. Yeah. That makes it so much harder to want to do it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that, that's really helpful. Um, then I did my SES. Yeah. So what did you get for that? My sexual exciters? Well, I got, uh, in the top. I don't know. I had a hot. All of the questions were (laughs) related well to me. That I was like, I'm a three or a four on all of these, so somewhere same, somewhere between. uh, I
1: mean, that
0: honestly tracks. I think we've both always
1: kind of related, at least a little bit, on like, at least being very tuned into sexual stuff and like interested in it. I think.
0: Yeah, I think that if I'm in a relaxed state that most things kind of will turn me on a little bit or like if there's anything that I could be turned on by I'm probably going to register it and like I've definitely had like situations at work where I'm just like you know feeling fine whatever and then I walk past someone a little close and then I like get a whiff of like I don't know Old Spice or something and then suddenly I'm like, oh. do I want to fuck now? <laughs> Definitely. I re- yes, I, like, fully
1: relate to that. I really relate to, like... The other question I really liked was, um, like, do you get turned on when your partner does something that takes, like, talent? Yeah. And I was like, oh, my uh, God, yes. Yeah. That's, like, one of the top things for me.
0: I mean, I remember being in school, and, like, I am not... I don't think that I'm a very visual person, and I can't, with very few exceptions, which are usually, like, very, like, androgynous men that sometimes, like, where I'm, like, very physically attracted to people, but usually, like, when I was in school, it would be because they answered a question really awesomely in class, or, like, (laughs) you see them in gym, and then, like, show off some skill you didn't know about, and then you're like, oh, dang, and then, like, suddenly this person went into Technicolor, totally that happens to me all the time I'm very attracted to talent or even just passion yeah like if someone like goes on and on about like whatever their favorite bluetooth speaker or something (laughs) but but they talk about it with like some real passion and expertise like I don't care at all about speakers or whatever but I really dig that passion I completely agree I think like yeah
1: that's one of Passion and talent are two of the hottest things yeah. like in the world, I think. Like that honestly goes like way beyond looks for me, I would say. Yeah. Like oh, for that's sure. like way more important to me.
0: Way more important in my opinion, too. Um, and then the last question, which is kind of like my number one thing, which is uh do you get turned on when someone wants to have sex with you or wants
1: oh yeah or is attracted
0: to you? That's That's the main thing for me.
1: That's definitely a thing for me. It's definitely not my main thing. I think that, like, honestly, there's a little bit of me that likes the, like, hard to get kind of. Like, chasing thing, Like, I like yeah. to chase a little. I mean, and it's, like, barely, because I'm married. So, like, <laughs> I don't have to chase my husband very hard, but, like...
0: You can still pretend. That
1: yeah. And he does sometimes. <laughs> 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 and I like that. I enjoy that. I like him to be, like, a little bit... Um, I don't know, just, like, hard to get. Or, like, a little bit, like, cocky and, like, rude...
0: You know, your husband could do that better than my husband. (laughs) He is
1: really good at, yeah, being cocky, I would say, in general, (laughs) in a good way. But, um, I mean, he's like an actor. So, like, that's part of it, I think. Like, you have to have, like, a certain amount of, you know. Yeah. Um,
0: Confidence. Yeah. (laughs) But, but yeah. Well, I like (laughs) those hungry eyes. I like when they just are just like not I mean about that makes perfect
1: sense for me to me for sure yeah um but yeah I just like I like to I th- that's part of the book too I mean she talks a little bit about like some people need to be chased like if you're in a relationship and you're having a hard time like lining up your sex drives mm-hmm. or if, you know um sometimes it's helpful to set up a situation where like your partner is kind of pursuing you throughout the night or the day or whatever or vice versa you're pursuing them and they kind of like say no a bunch of times to Mm -hmm. like get you all hot and
0: bothered Mm -hmm. (laughs) because she talks about it in kind of like the extreme where sometimes when people are in like abusive relationships or it's just not working out that you get you have like a terrible fight or whatever and then you have like the best sex right afterwards, it's because you're trying to get that closeness back or you've your mm-hmm. body has identified that the closeness is not there and so there's kind of this desperate hunger to get it back. But you can also do that in a healthy way. And like make that dynamic yeah, happen in a
1: exactly in a you can it like, doesn't hurt you. You can like create that dynamic without it seeming artificial.
0: Yeah. You know? Well, I think that goes right into her other main thing, or the, one of my main takeaways, which is that sex is about context for, yes, I guess, for everyone, but different people need different levels of context, and for me, that's really where romance novels come into play is that romance novels provide me with a context that I can be just sitting in in my own mind so that when I am ready to have sex I'm already kind of like revved up a little bit exactly oh my god it's such a gift (laughs) but I mean I really couldn't get there before and I had so much trouble trying to figure out why this happened like And I realized, and a big part of it is that I used to watch a lot of, like, romantic comedies and romantic movies. And so, like, because I've always thought of myself as kind of being, like, perpetually horny a little bit. Um, And then it kind of stopped. But I had also stopped watching romantic movies and was trying to fight all of these different stressors in my life. And so there was just nothing besides my husband wanting to have sex in that moment that really would bring me to that place and i i just couldn't go from zero to 100 in that way but we would watch like a romantic comedy and then i would be mate if it worked for me then maybe that would get me going for like three days or something Mm -hmm. but romance novels are so much faster at it and they're so much more efficient because you actually get the real stuff instead of, like, just a little tease in a movie. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. It's awesome. It's all about context. Definitely. So, just as an example, I wrote down an example of what context would be to, like, explain it a little bit more. Great. Is if somebody tickled you, so, like, if somebody you hate tickles you, it's not going to feel good. It's going to be, like, really annoying and, like, you know, it's not going to feel good. But if somebody that you have a huge crush on tickles you, like, it's mm. going to feel amazing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just it in a nutshell. It's just, yeah. like, the situation obviously matters. Yeah. But a lot for women. Yeah.
0: That's a perfect example. <laughs>
1: um, well, that was her example. But it's a perfect one. But, um, and then I thought it was interesting that that also kind of goes into... Um, why there can't be a Viagra for women Mm -hmm. because she also talks about sexual non-concordance, which is, like, your body might respond, but you don't feel turned on, like, in your head, or vice versa. You might feel really turned on, but, like, you can't get wet or you can't, like, get turned on enough to have sex or
0: whatever. It's very common. I didn't know, too. This is... This is huge. Like, the fact that you didn't get wet does not mean you're not turned on. And the fact that you did get wet does not mean that you are turned on. That's a really big, like... Like, women can even
1: have orgasms while they're being raped. mm -hmm. So, like, that clearly proves... I think, um, that your body can just
0: be doing things that you don't want it to do at all. I remember her example about this really distinctly too. the, like, or I think she gave a couple, but the one I remember is that the guy had a lady straddling, like, a bar, like, Like, I think she was naked and she had, like, a bar between her legs and her, she was tied up and he left and did stuff. And then he came back and she registered that as really annoying. She didn't want to just be hanging there with a bar between her legs for, like, an hour. But when she came back or when he came back, he, like, felt her and he was like, well, you did like it because you're all wet. And she's, like, confused, right? She's like, I don't (laughs) feel like I did like it. But your body can respond to things without you being fully there. Like, it yeah. takes more than just your genitals to decide Definitely, what you like. And I mean, from my own
1: personal experience, it's, like, all, like, it's always been a challenge, honestly, to, like, get as turned on as I feel in my head. Because, like, just so many things are kind of off in my body. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this book has like, it's, it's not sad because this book has done wonders for me and the romance novels have, like, I'm honestly in the best place I've ever been in, in my life, which is amazing to say.
0: Yeah. Um, it made me feel like less concerned about going out and buying lube, which I was a little more, oh, I, yeah, I literally I was like, have, have a bottle writing? of lube that's like. Oh, nice! Sixteen ounces or something
1: in my apartment right now. <laughs> Is it a um, water-based? I have water-based and oil, or not oil-based. Um, silicone silicone-based. Yeah, because you can't use silicone with On sex toys. toys, right? Or <laughs> condoms. Or con- well, no, not- you can use silicone with condoms. You can, but you can't use oil-based with condoms. Right, 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 right. right. PSA for everyone. <laughs>
0: Right, and then when you come in, when you bring the flavor part into play, there's all. Anyway, just thinking about lube oh, now. Oh God, yeah, I've gotten derailed by the lube. <laughs> but yeah, I I think that that was a concern for me that, and and I think that I am usually pretty um, matched with how I feel, but my body is more like, and I think this is. Well, who knows? I don't know if this is true for a lot of people. I am usually wet in the morning. It is way easier to have sex with me in the morning. That's really
1: funny because I was literally talking about this with my husband today about how like dudes get morning wood, and I think that sounds so fun, and I wish that happened to me. And I was like, but it doesn't happen to me. And then I was
0: like, I wonder if it happens to Blythe. Well, I guess we answered the question. It does. I... I just am, like, like, if I got home from work, you couldn't just, like, stick it in. But if I just woke up, you could. You could just stick it in. It doesn't... I'm totally really ready.
1: jealous. I mean, I'm definitely most horny at night, but I think that that's just more situational. Also, I'm not a morning person at all.
0: I am definitely my most horny in the morning. I am the most energetic in the morning. I am the most wet in the morning. <laughs> and I really... I, I'm a pretty frustrated honestly by the fact that i spend most time with my husband at night because mm. it's never the right time for me and like it we do have sex in the morning sometimes but it's um way faster there's no um like we don't get to do all of our favorite stages of mm-hmm. of the experience because it's only going to be like 20 minutes like, there's not usually cunnilingus or anything, but it's so satisfying for me, and um, on the weekends, it's the best, is just being able to do it in the, in the morning, or even, like, 10 o'clock when it's, like, the perfect time for me.
1: My perfect time is, and I think it's funny, did you ever see Afternoon Delight with Katherine Hahn? where she brings this, like... Mm-hmm. Well, she's a full-service sex worker and a stripper. All right. She brings her into her house to be her nanny because she, like, feels bad for her. Okay. Even though she's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, she just mentions at some point... I just think Catherine Hahn's, like, the funniest actress. Yeah. And she says that 4 o'clock, like, a 4 o'clock tea time is, like, the perfect time to have sex, but, like, nobody ever is home at that time. Yeah. And I agree that that is the perfect time to have sex. And I'm really pleased that my husband and I both work from home now. So we can, like, make it happen if we want to. Because that really... I really like to have sex when it's light outside. Yeah. It just makes me, like, happy.
0: Me too. (laughs) Me too. I think a 4 o'clock would be a next best for me. I would go with 10 a.m. as my first choice. 9, 10 a.m. But 4 o'clock seems perfectly delightful yeah but it's tough when it gets to like that nine o'clock hour because I I am really tired by that time and uh I'm not always like for me it's like well like if I have
1: sex at nine that would be really great for me but too often I end up just like being like we're gonna have sex tonight for sure for sure (laughs) and then like I just keep doing like you know whatever yeah and we end up doing it at like midnight and I'm like really sleepy. Yeah, It's still great. But I just really, I love daytime sex. That's yeah. the best. And that's when I feel the most uninhibited and just like, I think it's partly my anxiety. Cause I like just like knowing I have all the rest of the day for this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't have to
0: wake. Well, even if I have to wake up early, it's four o'clock, you know? Exactly. I hate thinking about like, like if you're in the middle of a hand job or something and then it like occurs to you like if I keep doing this hand job for another twenty minutes, then it's probably gonna be like past my bedtime and it's exactly. like actually cutting into my sleep now. I just don't I don't wanna think about that. I don't wanna be like hedging my sleep against Me neither. my dick time. I know <laughs> <laughs> It's not <so> fair. <laughs> it is not fair, exactly. Um, um. Oh, so
1: one other thing that I thought was really interesting that I really liked, and then I thought went along with the message of, or like the whole point of this podcast, is that you can learn to get turned on by new things, which I think is awesome. Yeah. And very exciting to know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and something we also do through these romance novels. Yes. Like, We're training I feel ourselves like... to have a broader. array of things that turn us on
1: I exactly and I think it's awesome like I want to be turned on by
0: as many things as possible I agree (laughs) because if you have to pick a state of being turned on is one of the best definitely yeah I like to tap into that as much as possible yeah and I know we already talked about stress but that was because I was reading this from a place of feeling a lot of stress, and that that was affecting my libido, and that was the whole reason I was reading this book. I actually thought that even outside of sex, um, she illuminated a really great point, which is that stress has a cycle. And so you, in in nature, or like before we were agriculturalists, back when we were hunter-gatherers, and the way that we're evolved to be, you would experience a stress like a tiger or something or a lion. And then your response would be fight or flight or freeze. I didn't know there was the freeze part, but you can kind of surmise what they are. It's either you're fighting the lion and killing it, or you're running away from the lion and you, you and your villagers all together come and kill the lion and then you're safe. Or you freeze, which is kind of experiencing like a Paralysis, like you don't think fighting or flighting is going to um, make it happen or get you away from it, so you freeze, thinking it's either going to be the least painful way to die, frankly, or that the the um, stressor or whatever it is will become uninterested, and so you'll freeze. Um, and they've ex- they've uh, videotaped or whatever animals freezing in the wild, and like after you freeze, after you experience this paralysis, then there's this kind of like trembling that the animals experience like a very physical reaction after they get like after the danger has gone away. Um, which is all to say that you have to do something in order for the stress to go away. You can't just, because our modern stressors aren't a lion, it's less obvious what you can do to mm-hmm. relieve that stress, but going on a run or um, just finding a safe space or, or whatever, crying um, crying but not for too long
1: not like wallowing in it you need to like cry and get it out and be done
0: yeah <laughs> and for me i i had been going through experiences where i was crying every single day right right when i got home like every day i'd come in i would bawl for like 10 minutes or something and my husband was really concerned I was obviously really concerned and I was thinking like this has to stop whatever is doing this like I need to find a way to fix this and then when I read this book I was like oh this is how I'm fixing it Mm -hmm. I am completing the cycle of stress every day I'm actually doing the exact right thing and just reframing in that way was such a relief. It was no longer a problem. It was that I had already had the solution and was doing the solution. And I was more able to, to, to navigate around it. Like Brian and I were like, Oh God, how do we stop this crying thing from happening? We're like, Oh, we should just prepare that you're going to be crying for the first 10 (laughs) minutes after you get home. And let's not freak out about it. Let's just let it happen. And then go on with our day and not think of this as like this constant trauma that
1: Well, and I think it's worth
0: mentioning that you do, without going into
1: specifics or anything, you do have a pretty stressful job. Yeah. So, like, that totally makes sense to me, that you need to come home and just, like, have a cathartic
0: cry. I get that for sure. And if I'm being honest, I don't even have to do that in the same way anymore, because part of the stress was that... I was stressed out about that thing like I was so stressed that I was having these experiences now I'm more able to be like just complete it just be done and I don't have to do it every day in the same way so this book really helped me beyond like obviously that's not a specifically sexual thing but
1: but that obviously plays into like your general well-being and everything and that all plays into your sex
0: I shouldn't say drive, but you know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Not a drive. And that's important to reiterate, too, that it's not a drive because people can't pressure you and or or shouldn't be able to pressure you by saying, like, I'm driven to do this because nobody, it's not food, you know? It's You're yeah. not going to die if you don't have sex, even if it feels like it or whatever. It's not a true drive in that way. So it is important to, Definitely. to remember that. Um, yeah. I mean, I
1: think it's interesting. She actually has another book that just came out called Burnout. I need that. Which I definitely want to read, which is just about unlocking the stress cycle and like getting out of it. So I'm very curious to read that. Me too. Um, I do think it's interesting, just like when I think about the times that I've been stressed, there have been times where I've been like, super sexual during those times and like needed to have sex a lot and then in retrospect realized that it like was a response to stress and like me just wanting to like escape life Mm -hmm. and then there have been times where it's the opposite and I just think it's really interesting to note that like I felt way better about myself the first time Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Like, even though they were both kind of unhealthy responses and, like, they were both kind... I mean, well, you know what I, Like, needing to have sex so much was definitely partly masking something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I was so much harder on my... I'm always harder on myself about the times when I don't want to have sex. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, like, that I... I I feel like that is me, like failing or being unhealthy in some way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what my point is. Just that it's interesting. I mean, I mean, we all want to please our partners, of course, and like so that's part of it. Like my husband definitely never makes me feel guilty, but like it's so in society that I feel it immediately. Yeah. You know. if like we're not having sex often because I'm stressed out then like
0: I feel super guilty about it or if he is is wanting to relieve his stress with sex but you can't be relieving your stress with sex like you just feel mismatched in that way and that can be really really challenging um yeah I definitely I think this is something we both share I, I think that I don't I don't know for sure but I think being married plays a part in that where you're just, you're like, this is one of the things that, that I'm bringing to the table as, as, yeah.
1: par- as partner.
0: And, and I, I will speak for my husband in saying that he also does not place any of that pressure or he doesn't purposefully put any of that pressure on me. He doesn't get upset if I don't want to do anything. Right. But, but it's still kind know, of there to, anyway. Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's- yeah. It's really, really hard not to do even like, like my husband will tell me, he'll be like, you need to It's like, don't feel guilty. Like, why are you like getting sad about this? And like, it's something that I have to train out of myself because it doesn't really have anything to do with him. Mm -hmm. I don't think, but I still feel it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think part of it is like that I did have such an unsatisfying, like, I had so many problems with my body for, like, a lot of my life. And then, like, when I did have a really satisfying sex life, finally it became
0: so important to me, you know? Yeah. I feel like mine was the opposite where it was so... I have such an easy time with everything. Like, especially when I, like, first met my husband, it was just, like... I want to do everything and try every, like I felt like I was just fucking horny all the time. (laughs) We were just fucking constantly. And so to experience not being interested and not, and to the degree that I just couldn't do it, like I just couldn't be doing it. Mm -hmm. Then it felt like a real identity crisis. Like what is wrong with me? This feels fundamental. Like when it got to the point where I couldn't really have orgasms, um, very consistently at all, it was really, uh, you know, you feel like you're broken or like, is yes. it ever coming back? What is happening? Well, like before I got diagnosed
1: with vulvodynia, I went through like the worst time in my life where like, I couldn't have orgasms basically because everything just hurt. Mm-hmm. Like even just like having my husband touch me like hurt and it was just horrible. <laughs> yeah. That's um. sounds terrible. But so then when I finally, finally got past all of that, like, I think for a little while it became, like, a big part of my identity. And then I was, like, hypersexual. And then when I got kind of depressed and I kind of—I felt like I was backsliding, even though I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, because it was a completely different issue. Right. But it
0: felt like— felt really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that this book is really worth reading, but it's worth reading more than once, honestly, because yeah. you can really, like, all of these lessons... They're not the lessons that you get from life and from our culture or anything. No. So it, you can really stand to have them. Well, and like what I got from it, it several years ago when I read it was
1: definitely different from what I got from it this time around. Because yeah. I'm just in like a completely different place. But it was absolutely just as helpful, mm-hmm. just in different ways.
0: Mm hmm. And we really haven't scratched, like, all of the things. Like, it's quite a dense book. Exactly. And it really helps you with a lot of things. She goes over, like, hymens for a bit. Like, all of the... Like, I didn't realize... Like, hymens are just so different than what I had. Obviously, you kind of have this idea of, like, I guess maybe you can tell if someone's a virgin. Like, before I read this book, maybe you can tell if someone's a virgin, but also maybe a bicycle broke their hymen or whatever. But hymens are just, like, a totally random thing that like looked mm-hmm. totally different for women in different stages and honestly when you really know what a hymen is it's like fucking tragic that women are being I know it's literally anybody's paying attention to anyone's hymen is so <laughs> dumb and stupid <laughs> and meaningless it's like and this cool. tiny little nothing piece of tissue that might be there or might not yeah, like it might just shrivel up no matter what, it yeah. might just shrivel up on its own and not be a thing. It's just, um, yeah. So I wish that there wasn't that kind of shame. But there's a lot of like nuggets like that in this book. So many things.
1: I mean, just just this stuff about like how everybody's parts look, like everybody's parts are look different and are like organized maybe in different ways, but they're all normal. Yeah. Like.
0: I don't know what my point was, but... <laughs> She's got some good diagrams that really show you, like, from, like, how... There's only, like, slight changes. Like, we're all exactly the same. Right. You've got, like, a little nub that either becomes a quit or your dick. And then you've got your folds, which either become your labia or your balls. hmm And, uh... But it's just, like, very tiny differences, which is why, like, it really helps you understand, like, intersex people way more. Mm -hmm. Like, it just, it's very clear that everything is on this very large spectrum Spectrum. of, yeah, like, women talk about, like, having really big clitorises. And then, and none of this has anything to do with what they're going to be interested in either, like.
1: Right, like, they're... Was that there's one story that she talks about one of her patients who has, like, a really large clit.
0: Yeah. She described she, it as, like, a carrot or, yeah. like, a part of a carrot.
1: And she, like, feels that that, that she is that way because she probably has more testosterone. Like, that's her thinking. And she thinks that she's, like, a little bit more masculine. Mm-hmm. Um and the author is like well that's not true it's not cuz of it's not cuz you're more masculine or anything it's just whatever it's just the way that you were made but then like the other interesting part of that was that the patient was like okay but i still like have feelings about it and like i still identify with my body in a certain way because of the way i don't know like the way that it the way that it, it looks
0: I don't know. It's still it matched for her because she did feel like she had like a, a like a really high, you know, high sex, sex drive. drive. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't really know what my point is, except that just like there is still this very personal component to everything. Yeah, and like, like how you interpret everything, right? That's important. Yeah, yeah. And that's like there's nothing wrong with that either. That's part of like your whole sexual identity.
0: Yeah. Um we have anything else? Well, I think that we've covered I think we've done our best at um, selling this book and covering. (laughs) Yeah,
1: like people should realize that this does not cover the whole book, and we really recommend reading the whole book because it's so good, and it goes into so many different things that we haven't had time to cover.
0: Yeah. Um, And obviously, it's not a romance novel. It's not going to specifically Well probably. I don't wanna be presumptuous. (laughs) It probably won't specifically turn you on in in the way that the other books we've covered are do. But a big part of being turned on is feeling like not ashamed of your own body. Feeling comfortable in your body. Your sexuality, feeling comfortable with what you're working with. Exactly. And I think this really is gonna help you, no matter where you are, understand a little more in detail, what what works for you and what doesn't work for you, or where these brakes and accelerators maybe lie. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, can't speak more highly of it. I've recommended it to like so many people. Obviously, you recommended it to me. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah. I hope this this um, helps. I hope this helps everyone feel normal. Yeah. Because
1: everybody is normal. Yeah. Even (laughs)
0: if you don't want to read the book, just feel like everything is normal with you. Because it really, truly is. Everything is normal and, in fact, beautiful and awesome. And Mm -hmm. people want to fuck you. Yeah. People want to fuck you. Uh, That's what we should end on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Today is not a masturbate day. Today is a day for you to know. People want to fuck, fuck you. you. You should masturbate to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, if you do want to talk to us about uh, about how you're feeling about your body, or um, if you've read this book, or you maybe if share? you know your scores, your SES or your SIS. Oh, yeah, scores. we would love to hear from people about your cis and cess scores, yeah. or
1: like just anything that we've talked about. If you. You know, find talent really sexy too. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you on like Twitter. We have um our Twitter is sexybookspod. sexy books pod. Our Instagram. Man, I should just write it in the show notes. I'm gonna write our Twitter, Instagram, and email in the show notes. Yeah. And we would love to hear from our listeners.
0: Yeah. Okay. Alright. People wanna fuck
1: you. Nice. <laughs> <laughs>